Whether on the go or at the table, get lost in a conversation about everything coffee with your host, Eric Ortiz. Hey everyone, welcome to Everything Coffee, a podcast that delves into the relationship of coffee with a variety of people from manufacturers, cafe owners, coffee roasters, social media personalities, and so much more. This podcast takes on a deep conversation about everything coffee and today i am joined by matthew canev owner and inventor of hive roaster matthew's career has spanned into the service management industry including being a service manager with loring smart roast and with seven years of coffee world knowledge matthew soon after leaving loring and no longer having access to that delicious high-end coffee he designed a prototype that would eventually evolve into the hive roaster keeping up with orders during a pandemic to now struggling to keep up with demand we talk about everything coffee with Matthew and his amazing Hive Roaster. You can visit Matthew's product page at www.hiveroaster.com and on Instagram at Hive Roaster. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matthew Caniff. Matthew, how are you, sir? Excellent. Yourself? I'm good. Thank you. Awesome. Welcome to Everything Coffee. I'm I'm so happy that uh, we got you on the show. And uh, I, I, I've just been fascinated because I see you on Instagram quite a bit and you do a lot of live uh, postings uh, coming on Instagram live quite a bit. Um, and and I, I just enjoy seeing what you got going on uh, with your product, uh, which is pretty interesting for for a lot of individuals that have ever wanted to consider going into uh, being kind of like a home roaster. This is kind of like a gateway drug. <laughs> it is indeed. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself and then we'll talk a little bit about the product itself. Well, basically, you know, I've been, a, I was a mechanic for years and years. Um, I worked mainly on heavy equipment and then kind of accidentally got into the coffee roasting industry. Um, and, and the reason is because of the, the complex, the electrical complexity of the modern roasters are real similar to the way that a lot of heavy equipment operates. And so I was able to, you know, repair it, even though I didn't know anything about coffee. Um, once there, I started getting into the specialty coffee because we'd have customers you know bring a big old bag of coffee over and roast it at loring and it was just incredible because i'd never tasted anything like it sure um and then i got hooked on it um and so it's been on ever since and all of your background though you had seven years of, of coffee knowledge is it all from loring or is it from other companies no i worked for a company called dolce neve uh dolce neve is the uh north bay area or really the bay area's um uh, premier espresso repair and sales company. There's a couple other ones, but these guys really dominate. And uh, Jay, the owner is an old friend of mine. I've known him about 30 years. Um, and like he says, he waited a couple of years for me to get to learn the coffee industry by working at Loring before he recruited me to work for him. Um, and so, so that was kind of cool. And so I worked with him, managed his business, um, just, you know, doing repair and sales of espresso machines. Um, and uh, my son went to work for us. So, so yeah, so I've kind of know from the brewing end and also the roasting end both. Oh wow. So that is pretty extensive in terms of how much you've done in the coffee world. From yeah. from what age would you say that you've been kind of just interested because we we always talk about how where we got involved in coffee and, and how our passion kind of evolved, but where where did your passion for coffee evolve? Well, honestly, like I tell people, you know, I used to know exactly which gas station I like coffee from the best, right? And I know it sounds really terrible in this in this coffee industry, but I've always been really into coffee. I just didn't know anything about specialty coffee. So I drank a lot, and I was really dependent on it, and I really loved it. But I had no idea about it. I just literally knew, yeah, I like this 
this brand from this gas station the best. And then, <laughs> and then once I got into, you know, and I've been, I've been hitting coffee since I was probably 17. I think it was Denny's that really got it going, you know, late nights <laughs> after the show or whatever, going to Denny's and sitting around drinking with people. And um, sure. that's really what got me started on it. But as far as specialty, once I started with Loring, it really, um, and it was a counterculture experience that really got me. Um, we had counterculture in and they roasted a bag and it was just, it was the most incredible smell I've ever smelled, oh, the bet. most incredible flavor. And it was just, at that point, I was totally hooked on the whole, on the whole thing. You know? <laughs> I, I can imagine. I, uh, yeah. I, I always am fascinated by people's stories when, when they, they come on and talk about their, their roots in coffee. And that's the first where I get it, where it's just, it's kind of gas station coffee, but everyone has their own thing. You know, I'm, for me, it was, uh, growing up with my grandma and, and getting the Folgers, uh, inside the house, um, at the time, right. When percolator was there and, uh, it was kind of just an experience for us. Uh, yep. but, but it's, it sounds like coffee's kind of become a big root for you in terms of, your career, your passion for, for everything. And it's all kind of been the basis of your service industry experience working in different yeah. companies. How much has the tinkering kind of gone into it? Because every time I talk to someone that roasts Matthew, I always find one common thing for all these roasters is that they're all tinkers. They love yeah. to tinker. They're all hands-on. Is that exactly who describes you? Yeah. I mean, I built the machines that built the hive. Um, so yeah, it's, and it's a constant, it's a constant evolution. Um, the first six hives that I built took me about three months. Um, and now I can build multiple in a day. Um, you know, and, and it's just because I'm constantly dealing with my process, you know, creating new machinery, tinkering with the machines that I have. Um, as far as roasting goes, I mean, once I developed the hive, it's been pretty much, you know, the hive will do any type of roast that you want. Sure. So you can do really fast roast or really long roast, whatever you want. And so you can really spend, there's a, it's a huge rabbit hole to go down to just to learn all the different ways to roast every type of coffee. And then on top of it, I'm constantly trying to upgrade my machinery. So yeah, I pretty much tinkered nonstop, you know, I, I'm just, just for the audience that's listening to this and that might not know what the high roaster is, give them a background to what the high roaster is, Matthew. Okay, so basically it's a handheld. Um, it looks just like a regular pan like you'd see on the stove, um, except it's got a round lid. Um, when you take off the lid on the inside, it, it's kind of a, it has a shape similar to a bunt cake pan, so you've got a hole in the center of it. The idea to that is that the heat from the flame comes up from inside, you know, comes up inside the roaster, and so it gets the inside of the roaster about 100 degrees hotter than the beans at all times, which is really the definition of roasting, whereas, like, cooking coffee in a frying pan you're not really roasting it you're just thermally conducting heat through the base of the pan into the beans and that's why the results kind of vary with that whereas you know you need to have a really hot environment for the beans that's why you know like hot air roasters work okay um but anyways and so then as that heat travels up it exits through a little hole in the top of the roaster and at that point the air um is really really hot and it actually burns away the carbon and the smoke and so as a result you're able to roast in your home kitchen without that real acrid smell like you normally get out of a coffee roaster. Sure. Um, it does away with the majority of the carbon smell. So you just wind up smelling. It really kind of smells like you're baking something like maybe like a cake or cookies or something like that. Um, <laughs> so it must be smelling good at your house at all. The time. It smells awesome. And when people come <laughs> over, they don't know that I'm, it, they don't, they don't recognize it as a coffee smell because it's not like, it's not that real thick smell like people are used to. It's really, it's, 
the the sensory operation of it is just it's amazing because you can hear it you can see it you can smell it you really become kind of one with it and so i think that's part of why people get so hooked on it um you know because the reality of it is is that today we have a push button world right people want an app and they want to be able to start a process and just stare at their phone and make it happen and this is very physical you're actually agitating a pan over flame if you don't every part of it is up to you to get it right and it really grabs people and they become really addicted to it or people don't want to deal with it at all because they're just like, I'm not going to touch that thing for 12 minutes. No way. And so it's kind of, you know, it, it definitely narrows down the crowd of people who buy it. But once you get into it, I mean, I'm always amazed because I'll have customers that I haven't talked to for like two years. Um, and they'll be like, this is all, this is the only coffee I drink. <laughs> I've roasted hundreds of pounds through your machine. And it's just, you know, and I love it. I mean, that's really you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in it because I want to do this as a career, sure. but the, the result of it is the connections that I've made with people and how many people I've helped to roast really good coffee. That's been the big win for me. You know, um, it's built, especially during the pandemic, because while everybody's locked in, sure. I'm communicating with people all over the world because I, I sell internationally, so I'll sell to anybody anywhere. And so I wound up for whatever reason, a bunch of guys in the Philippines were kind of my first adopters and I got to know them real well online and chatting with them on different apps and stuff and, you know, doing video roasting with them and stuff. And it's been really cool because I've met, you know, I haven't met them in person. I've only met two, two customers in person, but I've dealt with hundreds of people and it's been super awesome. I can imagine. How, how is it possible for someone? And, and this might be something that you might not, not know, Matthew, but I look at this product and I'm thinking, Someone that wants to get into the coffee world, small batch, you know, pieces of coffee here. I mean, we're not talking about a large device. I mean, this is, no. is this handheld, but have yep. you seen individuals that purchase this then eventually spawn off into a business? About 10 that I know of. Um, oh, wow. And I've also got a couple customers that this is, this is their entire income. And granted, these are people I think maybe living at home still, but they're literally only roasting in the hive and only selling at farmer's markets. And they roast pretty much like all day, every day and then sell on the weekends because it basically takes you 12 minutes, you know, 10 to 12 minutes to get six ounces of coffee, which is not very fast compared to a commercial roaster where you're doing, you know, 180 pounds in the same amount of time. But, um, the thing that's really cool about it is that my customers wind up learning how to roast so much better than other people who are just using like an automated roaster because you absolutely have to understand the process. Otherwise you aren't going to be successful. I mean, you can get lucky. A lot of people get really lucky their first few roasts, but it's, there's no, there's no programming. You know what I mean? Like there's no, you know, you know, it's just really. And so as a result, they wind up really, really as really successful roasters. So I've got people that have, now gone to work as professional roasters, like roasting in, in regular roasteries with the knowledge that they learn. Sure. They've taken coffee from a hive roaster to their interview to give to the interview person to show them. Um, and then I've had multiple people start out doing this and then upgrade. And, the, you know, they're now they're using a bullet and then oh, now right. they've got a San Franciscan and then now they've got a Dietrich, you know what I mean? And it's, it's really awesome to see the progress. I mean, it's amazing. I'm curious when you said right now that, someone needs to kind of understand the process because this is not a, like it's not a forgiving machine, right? There's no automated system. It's, it's a, it's yeah. a feel. How exactly. much, how much of that feel is, is broadcasted to, from you to education in terms of like, you, okay, you're, you're selling the hive, you design the hive, but your target audience, are they going to be individuals that are going to be looking for you for education? Or is this something that they're just going to pick up on their own? 
Um, I'll say both to, I'll say yes to both. Um, you know, it, if you get a regular commercial roaster, you have to adjust it to get it to run right, right? So you've got air control, you've got flame control, drum speed. Those are your basic controls. And so what the Hive does is it kind of gives you like a middle-of-the-road adjustment on a commercial roaster. So if you put beans in there, put your meat on, your heat on medium, and agitate it for 12 minutes, and you wait until it's done popping, you're going to come out with some pretty good coffee no matter what. So it's really it's actually a lot more forgiving than you'd think. It doesn't tend to burn. If you let it pop, it won't be under roasted. And so it gives a really, it's, how do I explain it? It's, it's a really, really easy way to roast a batch of coffee with absolutely no knowledge. Now, once you get to that point, now you can say, okay, well, that was really, really good with this Guatemalan coffee. But you know, when I do the Ethiopian, I feel like I'm missing something. So then they start researching, what do I need to do? Well, maybe I need to speed it up. Maybe I need more, you know, more heat up front or whatever it is. And so, you know, really just kind of by doing it yourself, you can come up with a lot of knowledge. Now I've done a ton, like I think over a hundred live roast videos, which some reason, every time I make a video, it looks like it's made in about 1998. I don't really know why that is, but the quality is, is God awful. It's me rambling on. There's no prep. There's no editing. However, if you can tolerate it, you can actually get some pretty good information. And, and I find people, you know, they'll do like six or seven of them. And then at that point, they've pretty much got it. And if you'll notice, like on the videos, a lot of times it'll say like, you know, fast roast Guatemalan or slow roast Guatemalan or fast Ethiopian, whatever it is. And a lot of times too, I'll do two in a row. So I'll do like a Guatemalan and an Ethiopian. And so it's a little repetitive, honestly, because coffee roasting is somewhat repetitive. You're doing the same thing over and over again. And so you can just watch any given video and get some pretty good information. And I don't really know, like, as far as like a ratio of how many people roasting with my product actually watch the videos and are successful because of it, I don't really know. I know sure. I've got people that have never watched any of them and they're doing really well at it. I, you know? I will say I, I've never been okay, – so my, my coffee journey has been just mostly just drinking coffee, products, um, but it's never gotten into that realm for me, Matthew, of wanting to roast my coffee, but – Having seen your videos uh, over some time, and I and I do kind of you know watch these things, and I and I kind of pay attention to them. I it, it's the closest I'll be honest with you, the closest I'll I'll ever get to want a roasting coffee because it's not something that's kind of built into me. I'm not a tinker, I'm not a very right. hands-on kind kind of guy because I get a little nervous about like oh, I don't want to mess this up, I don't want to you know screw this up. But when I see this product, I kind of look at myself and saying I could do that, and yeah. and, and it looks interesting for me the kind of you know being able to brew specific coffees uh tinkering a little bit and find out hey maybe i'm not not so bad at this but it's also kind of like a way for me to evolve in the coffee world right because drinking buying products testing out of machines i mean features are features but actually developing the roast that that you're going to be drinking later on that that there's some kind of just just like uh, i want to say um the last time i had a guest on uh, Gary, uh, Gary, he, he was, he was a uh, roaster for my friend's coffee and, and the way it, we kind of describe how he roasts, it's very, uh, passionate, right. uh, like poetry. And I think that when you start talking about roasting your own coffee and using a device, it, it kind of gets to the intimate level of, uh, of the drink itself. It gets to the root, uh, to the, almost to the origin site of, of coffee because you understand it and get personal with it. 
And yeah. I think that's that's what it feels like when you're actually roasting because it, it is kind of like you're, you're holding it on your hand and yeah. you're you're actually feeling the movement of the beans inside. You're fully invested, and that's the that's to me is the big difference. It's like you know you've you've now got you know sweat and labor and maybe your arms a little sore and and your nose is filled with this smell at the end of it i mean you've done something you've actually accomplished a task as opposed to just you know pushing a button and waiting for a while and being like oh i guess it turned out good you know and it may be great you know but there's something about that you know actually putting a little bit of yourself into it that in my opinion makes it you know it's it's pretty incredible and it's 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 odd because you know i follow a lot of instagram coffee accounts and i see so many people so focused on burrs and how different burrs affect the sure. flavor of coffee. And, and, and I get it. I mean, I, you know, being a, a you know, a, a, a professional selling, you know, grinders and having to sell burrs and clean them and replace them and all that stuff, I totally get the difference. But the amount of difference that you get from one brand of burr to the next compared to roasting mm-hmm. coffee properly or not is like just huge. You know what I mean? And so it, it gives a person a real way to have really complete control over the brew. And so like for me, I don't get into the gear end of it. I have a, a pretty crappy electric grinder and I have a French <laughs> press and that's, and I, and I grind coarse um, and I don't weigh anything. And then that's how I brew my coffee every day. And I got into doing it that way because it was a real easy control for me because I can do it the same every time. And that way I know if there's a change in the flavor, it's because of the coffee, not because of my equipment, you know, whereas, you know, when you're in a coffee shop, you know, I used to help customers, you know, dial in a, a coffee or whatever and it. And then all of a sudden it's different. Now you've got to, you know, change your machinery a different way. And you're, and it's this constant balance to figure out what is making this coffee taste like this. I just take all that out of the equation. So I know it's how I roasted it is where I'm getting the flavor. It's it's a scientific process. You're, 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 you have a controlled method and, and that's just kind of where it goes into. I uh, remember seeing a post just a little bit ago uh, from you saying, Oh, we're stocked up. And then when I've gone to your website, um, it, it seems like instantaneously it's, it's just all sold out again. How, how good has that been for you and how hard has it been to keep up with so much demand, Matthew? Well, um, the reality of it is, is that, you know, I did this basically full time for about two and a half, almost three years. And I was able to do that because of uh, the glory of mortgage forbearance. And so during the pandemic, I basically quit paying rent. And so my wife was still working. She works at a church. I still worked doing other stuff too. Like I was still fixing roasters, um, commercial roasters, but mainly I was just selling hives as an income. Well then once the pandemic stopped, um, and, and it's not really stopped, but once the forbearance stopped, um, that right about that time, I wound up doing really well. It was about almost this time last year. And I wound up selling a full pallet over to Europe, oh, wow. um, which was awesome. So I have a, you know, I have a distributor there and then Spromethius did a, um, you know, best coffee gifts of 2022 or 2021. That really promoted me really well. And so I did really well until about February. And then I suddenly couldn't get the probes anymore. And the supplier I was using them was um, out of Canada buying them in China. And so they went from costing $15 to about $75 for a comparable uh, model. And I, could, and I couldn't do it. So then I was only able to make the basic hives. And that pretty well, you know, cut down my sales because everybody's well, I'll just wait for the probe. Well, they're not buying. And so it cut my volume down and I'm like, I got to get a job. So I went back to work for the espresso guy, um, you know, just fixing machines. So I was just in the back being a mechanic and then, um, saw this job for the winery company, you know, the wine equipment company open up. And so I got that 
Well, then three days after I got that job, um, I was at my daughter's graduation and, uh, and my phone started going crazy. And this guy, Tyler, uh, Tyler Colson, yeah, Tyler Colson had posted a reel and it wound up with about 5 million views oh, all wow. in all. And so my website just exploded. I went from an average of like, say 30 to 50 views a day to like 500 a day over, you know, over months. It just never really stopped. Well, the problem is, is that I have a full-time job at a very intensive <laughs> job where I'm yeah. trying to manage a, I'm trying to manage a service company for a, uh, an international, you know, uh, manufacturing company, and it's been it's really tiring. And so, the reality of it is, is I haven't hardly sold anything since that happened. I've just been doing this really part-time, you know, when I had the opportunity. So, part of the reason why it sells out so quick is because I'm not putting very many up for sale. Um, and so my son just moved back into town. He's now going to work with me on it. And so we're ramp ramping up to do as best of production as I possibly can. So my guess is that in the near future, the, you know, the lack of lack of availability is going to go away. And I think that I'll probably get caught up, but, um, yeah, I sold quite a few, like a few days ago, oh, wow. um, this week and then just got buried with emails with people like, I missed it. I missed it. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I'm, I'm looking so. at it right now, and everything's like sold out. And I remember yeah, you bizarre. posting just a few days ago saying, "Oh, get it while it's there." And uh, the people it was did. A half an hour. I yeah. sold out in a half an hour. Oh, that is impressive. That is impressive. Yeah. I, I am curious when when it comes down to your business, Matthew. It, it seems like it's it does incredibly well. I know it's labor intensive. What's the future for Hive Roaster? Is this something that you want to start getting back into? And, and producing a lot more, or is this something where you just want to keep very small, almost almost mythical, you might say? In no, terms we're going of- for we're going for roaster world domination, man. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, I mean, the reality of it is, I've sold more roasters than Loring in the same time period. Oh wow, you know what I mean? However, theirs cost about a thousand times more than me, so you know, yeah. it's, you know, so the, so the, so, you know, so even as many as I've sold, you know, just the simple math will let you know that the income isn't really all that high when you consider the overhead. So really the thing that's always kept me back is just, I don't have the volume that I need. And had I gone into the, you know, Google advertising and, and doing ads and all that, I could have maybe pushed it forward faster. The problem is I don't have the income to do it. So I just basically thought I'm just going to do this with no advertising um, only word of mouth, you know, doing kind of like what I'm doing with you today. Um, and really I owe it all to Prometheus. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, or not, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So basically his brother, um, is the sales rep for La Marzocco in, in California. And so I know him from working at the espresso company and he's a really super nice guy, Chad. And, uh, so me and my wife went down and we did the, uh, my wife and I, sorry, went down and we did the coffee fest in LA in what, 2019 which was a dead show, but we went and Shad showed up because he was there as a company rep and he recognized me. He's like, Hey Matt, what are you doing? And I said, I'm doing this. And he's like, Oh, you should hook up with my brother's Prometheus. He'll, he'll maybe promote you. So I did. And sure enough. And that's pretty much like the majority of my sales for the first two years was because of that. Yeah. And he, um, and he has a background in roasting himself, Prometheus. Absolutely. Yeah. So he yeah. probably looked at this and said, uh, and I, yeah. I do remember seeing a video and it was, it was a favorable review. Obviously there, there was, I mean, he always has some caveats here and there, but for the most yeah. part, it, it, it really seemed like he enjoyed it. It's a, it's like I said at the very beginning of the show, this is a gateway drug <laughs> because it's oh, going to yeah. get you involved in the roasting business or at least the roasting uh, hobby. And then before you know it, you're going to want to do more. Yeah. 
How and it works incredibly well. I mean, it's really, really a good roaster. I mean, I know it sounds. No, no, go go ahead, go ahead, Matthew. Oh, I was just saying. You know, I'm not a very good self promoter, and so I'm not very good (laughs) at saying, "Hey, this is really awesome. I made it," or "I'm really good at this." I'm just not that guy, and so, and maybe I should be better. I don't know, but no, it's it's absolutely incredible. The people that use it are when, especially if I can get commercial people to use it. They're blown away because they're like, how are you doing this and getting the same results as this Loring or this ProBat, you know, in your hand? And it's just, well, it's because I just caught, and what I did is I just copied the roast, the roast environment. Sure. Like I just said, it needs to have the same roast environment as the inside of a Loring. And so it does. What, what's the evolution for Hive Roaster itself? Having seen multiple iterations, what else do you feel are you improving on based of just new science, new understanding of roast and coffees? maybe even different fermentation processes. Does that play into like how you design the next evolution? You know, I've tried, like once I was able to manufacture these myself, I figured out how to be able to um, change all the parameters around on it and like increase sizes of the holes, decrease the height, do all these different things. And I tried every possible combination that I could thinking that I'm going to hit something better than what I really originally came up with. And I have yet to really be able to improve on the actual thermal dynamics of the machine. So everything that I'm trying to do to improve it is really to improve the user experience because I realize that the reason why people don't buy it is because they look at it and they're like, I don't want to hold that thing for 15 minutes. I don't want to shake it. And that's, that's really the, I think the reason why it doesn't sell more. And so my goal is to, come up with a roaster that's not handheld that can be, you know, plugged in that gives the same quality of coffee, but in a more favorable user experience. Um, we're also now making our own thermocouples. Um, oh, wow. so I'm not going to be dependent on, um, you know, Chinese imports for that. I can go ahead and just manufacture them here myself and take full control of that. And then the next step is going to be to get some sort of like an, an application or interface so that it's, more modern so that that, cause that really seems to appeal to people. Like they really want to be able to, you know, see the progress on their phone or on their, on their iPad or whatever. And so I'm trying to play to that market as well. Um, but like right now I'm just selling the basic hives and, and, and people are really snapping them up and I'm really happy about that because the, you know, the probe and the, and the interface to the computer and the display and all that stuff, it's all neat, but I'm just using other people's stuff for it. It's not like I'm creating anything. I'm just using what's already out there. Sure. And my goal is to really create, to really be like, hey, this is 100% my thing. I made this, you know, because that's what I get off on. It's super cool. <laughs> and and I'm curious, when it comes down to the business side of things for you, Matthew, I, you, you've mentioned already that this is something you're doing kind of part-time right now. You, you have your full nine to five, but how, how difficult has this truly been for you? What is the most, like just, I wasn't expecting that aspect of, of of a business ownership for you so far. The, the hardest thing for me has been to keep faith um, and to just say, you know what, this is going to work. I'm going to be able to do this because it's, there's a lot of reasons not to, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of reasons to not go into business yourself and to, and to be able to say, Oh man, this is never going to work out. I'm never going to be able to sell the volume I need. I'm never going to, you know, nobody's going to buy it. Um, that's been my biggest challenge just is to, is just to remain faithful to, to the idea and to the thing that I've created. Um, and it's, it's been a real challenge and, and it's kind of funny because like the, when I was telling you about how that guy posted that video with all those hits and 
had I not gone to work for somebody else, I probably could have financially made it because I had so much volume right then potential. And, but yet in my mind, I'd already decided screw it. This isn't working. I've got to get a job. I can't deal with the the financial stress. Cause I mean, we, you know, we live in a very expensive area, you know, we're, I still have a daughter at home, but we have real expenses. You know what I mean? We have a mortgage and it's like that stuff has to get paid one way or the other. Life costs. (laughs) Yeah. Faith, faith doesn't pay the bills. You know what I mean? But it's been, it was weird because I realized at the end of it, had I just powered through and somehow, I don't know, borrowed money or whatever, I would have had this huge hit that probably could have carried me through the summer into, into the, into the holidays. But instead I went to, I went a safer route and I went to work for somebody else and I'm collecting a paycheck and it's fine. I mean, it all worked out and so I'm not complaining about it, but, but having faith in stuff has really been the hardest thing. Um, you know, the, as far as like running the business, you know, I'm, I'm not very good at like, well, I wound up owing money for sales tax, um, that I had to pay back. And, you know, I've just made some, made some, made some errors by not doing thing. And, you know, I was saying, well, I've never advertised like on Google. Part of the reason why I can't, I can't advertise on Google because when I went to set up my account, I somehow screwed it up. And then like, now I just can't have a Google account selling this product. Oh no. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and so, (laughs) and I'm sure it's repairable, but I don't really know how. And so there's been stuff like that, that had I really planned it out and been a better, you know, business person, you know, I probably could have done a better job on that end and which may have resulted in, in a, in a, a better running business. I don't really know, but, um, well, I, I, you know, I, so I, I was going to say, I, I think you got yourself a hit no matter what, Matthew, uh, th- this product from what I'm looking at and from what people have said. And, and, uh, I, I think it's just a matter of, like you said, I think it's the advertising that gets out, um, yeah. and it sells itself because it, it really looks like a solid piece of machinery, and more importantly, it's it's just fun. And for anyone that's truly into that journey of coffee, uh, this is the next step. Unless you come in from the world of, of roasting, then then this is not your next step, obviously. But right. if, if you're coming in from a world like myself where I'm a drinker, I like different varietals and I have all this fancy gear, but roasting has never been fascinating for me. But now this is something that I look at and I'm like, you know what? It could be. And I'm scared because I, I like, I, I, I'm laughing when I say it, but it, I, I tend to get hooked up onto these gateway <laughs> machine drugs and yep. where I'm going to be like, uh, Matthew, if I buy one, I, I am going to blame you when I end up spending way too much money on, on green coffee and trying to do it too often. Um, yeah. and I'm, I'm honestly worried about actually getting too involved and too actually wanting to do this. But I would venture to say that there's a lot of people out there that that are really tempted, and I would say go visit the website, um, stay in contact with you because once these products drop, they go fast. Number one, but yep. it's also kind of important to kind of follow you because it passion kind of bleeds, and 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 you kind of get hooked from other people's passion. So when I hear you talk on Instagram, uh, you're so passionate. You you say it's rambling, and I'm I'm like no no that's not rambling. That's just someone that is really into what they're doing and it shows. So I, I can say that you already got yourself a hit regardless of, uh, having the you know, nine to five job. Now it's, it's still a pretty cool hit. I just looked at that as a way to finance. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Is, you know, I could have gone out and probably gotten a loan and, and come up with the same end result of not having to worry about my bank account, but I didn't want the debt. And so this was a way for me to kind of self finance. So it's, it's a lot of work. I do it. You know, I'm basically working 12 hours a day, but, at the end of it, it's, I'm going to win. You know what I mean? And, and I, I think you're absolutely correct. I think that, you know, once 
I, there's a certain ratio, you know what I mean? As many people hear about, well, for a long time, I had had almost exactly the same amount of sales as Instagram followers. Oh, wow. And it just, and, it, and right now, I almost tripled my Instagram followers in the last three months. And that I haven't good. sold That's that. Good. I haven't, I haven't sold that volume. So I'm, I think I've got a lot of potential out there. You definitely but got tell, potential. But tell me, so you've been following me for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I, I've been following you when, when it wasn't as, as blown up because it was during the pandemic when I started following you and I would see all my pop-ups show up like, Oh, high roaster is, is broadcasting live and I would join in from time to time. Yeah. I thought I saw you. Yeah. And, uh, I, I've just been fascinated by the idea because it, like I said, it, it's just never been something that I've ever been interested in because it's just kind of scary to me. It's foreign to me, but yeah. as, as I kind of age, get a little older, um, understand coffee a lot more. It's in the realm of where, well, I don't want to stay stagnant either. I want to keep on learning and educating myself. And I think that the best way to kind of do that is kind of approaching it with a machine like this and actually getting yeah. involved and, and doing it small time because you don't want to go big and get yourself a, a you know big drum roaster right away. Uh, even no, these home friendly is, machines. Yeah, and you won't learn as fast either. That's the thing. You get yourself a, a roast, a commercial machine, or a drum machine, or any of that stuff, or like a popcorn maker or whatever, and you're now locked into the parameters that that machine will give you. You can't go outside of the box. This is true. You know what I mean? Like I've made a roast of coffee in three minutes because I was oh, wow. able to just, you know, with a torch because I was able to just blow <laughs> so much heat into it. You know what I mean? Like, and you aren't going to do that with anything. There's not really, you know, I've done roast at 20 minutes just to try to see like what actually happens. Where, what are the, what are the, you know, where are the outside boundaries of coffee? Because when you start looking at like, you know, I'm sure you've seen some of the videos of like the people in Yemen or in Ethiopia when they prepare coffee. Sure. It's a totally different trip. They do it completely different, but yet when a lot of times when you look at it pour, when they look at look at how they pour the coffee, you can see the color of it and the texture, and you're like, that's going to be awesome cup. Even though it's like, you know, they're roasting it, they're beating it with a rock when it's hot, they're pouring boiling water on it and they're boiling it, but yet it comes out, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, I want to drink that. I, I will, so. I will say, when I look at your product on, on the website right now, I can already smell that coffee being roasted inside the house. And I, I'm, I'm just fascinated. <laughs> I'm fascinated. It's incredible. Matthew, I am, I am so thrilled that you came on the show. Where, where can fi- people find the Hive Roaster? Uh, just HiveRoaster.com. Um, or, you know, you can, I have a Facebook, which is at Hive Roaster. Um, I have, if you're in Canada, I have a company called Green Bean Co. That's a distributor. Um, if you're in Europe, um, anywhere other than England, you can buy through a place called Crema Shop EU. Um, and they actually have more inventory and more options than I do right now. Um, I also sell here in America through a company called Cafe Creole, which is a coffee hunter project, um, which is a pretty cool story in itself. You might look at those guys and think about interviewing that guy because he's got a really cool story. Awesome. Um, and then also um, Slack Bag Coffee out of um, the Bay Area, um, a guy named Dan Streetman. He has his own coffee brand and he also sells green coffee and he sells the Hive Roasters. So those are basically... And then every once in a while, I try to get to a show, but with having a full-time job, I don't know how much that's going to go down, but um, I have been to a couple shows where I can sell. And so that's basically it. And then, yeah. uh, and Instagram. Don't forget Instagram. Hive Roaster. And yeah, and I actually saw one for sale on Craigslist one time, so you might check <laughs> Craigslist. That was like, it was like, I have these two goals. Like I'm like, when I see one on Craigslist, and then when I see one in a thrift store, I will know that I've actually you've created made it. a real product. Yeah, you've made and it. And so I keep, I keep looking at the thrift stores, and I haven't seen one yet, but I have seen one on Craigslist. Oh, and man. actually, when they sell on the secondary market, they sell for more than I sell them for. Oh, typically. wow. Yeah. 
Matthew, it was a pleasure having you on, sir. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And uh, let's get you a hive roaster. So when, <laughs> when we're done here, just send me your address and I'll, uh, I'll send one out Matthew, to you today. Thank you so much, sir. And yeah. don't forget to subscribe to and get lost in the conversation about Everything Coffee podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Visit Everything Coffee at everythingcoffee.podbean.com and on Instagram, everything.coffee.podcast. Thank you for joining us and supporting local businesses in your city and around the world. Thanks, brother.